Good morning, everybody. Afternoon, sorry. It won't be an issue soon. Thanks. Holiday was good. It wasn't. It wasn't a holiday. It was hard work. Um, I'll explain in a moment. Can I just add my welcome to you? If you're new to Gateway, if this is your first Sunday, if you're visiting um, family and friends of those who, whose toddlers and babies are being prayed for this morning, it's great to welcome you here at Gateway. My name's Colin. I'm one of the leaders here, I lead the team, the leadership team here at Gateway. It really is great to have you here. Can I just say, by the way, if you are looking on at Gateway or you say, I'd love to know a bit more about the church, I'd love to kind of get involved in some way, anybody can sign up for our groups. They're open to anybody, okay? So have a real freedom. Even if this is your first Sunday, you are more than welcome to get hold of a booklet and sign up. God's taking us on an exciting adventure with him. He's leading us, and we have this great privilege of being a family together, and so we'd love you to join us in being the people of God, led by him as a community. So, this morning, I just for a few moments want to talk on the subject of the fact that God is proud to put his name upon you and I. We've been all morning, haven't we, singing about Jesus. We love Jesus here at Gateway. We are fanatical about him. We want to boast in him. We think he's incredible. I know that's not everybody's opinion who's in the room right now, and that's absolutely fine. But as those who follow Jesus, those who've encountered him, we love him. He's revolutionized our life. And we want to, we want to rejoice in him and praise God and thank God for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And so I want to look at the fact that God is proud to put his name upon us. That's where we're going this morning. And just by way of it being a morning when there's guests and family visitors and every week by week we have people here who are far from God, people who are disinterested in Jesus, in church. And again, I just want to make it so plain. It's just great to have you here. You're so welcome. I hope you feel at home and welcomed. And I hope that this morning I just serve you to to think about who is Jesus What does the Bible say of him? Why is it important? Why does it matter? And so I trust that just in these few moments we have together, I'll be able to serve you well. So three weeks ago yesterday, we as a family moved house across Swindon. We've finally done it, however many months on. And far from being able to sit down and go, oh, we've done it, we've moved at last, out comes the whip, and Emma starts saying, put up the shelves, put the bookcases over there, start unpacking the boxes. What about the garden? Come on, let's tear up the garden now. I thought it was just the inside, honestly. We've been now tearing up the garden. And it is just this never-ending series of jobs that is just, oh, so dull. And anyway, I don't mind a bit of DIY, but this is overdrive. Hence why the holiday wasn't relaxing. It was two weeks of DIY. Anyway... As happens in these moments of new house move, it, it means that there's many, many trips to local hardware stores. And for us, our new hardware store that is not that far from where we live, Joy of Joys is Wix. Better than being... Is Ian Lowe here, by the way? No, good. Better than being Q. Much cheaper. Much more straightforward. Anyway, don't worry. Ian's, Ian's an important person at being Q and just anything to rib him. Um, and so it's been trip after trip to B&Q to pick up paint, to pick up timber, to pick up shelves, whatever else Emma wants me to get. It was rubbish bags yesterday so we could clear the garden. Just a trip to being a Wix for rubbish bags. I can't believe it. And anyway, to make this 
Even more enjoyable for me, every time I go there, all I have going around my head is their incredibly annoying adverts from about four or five years ago. Can anybody remember Wix's previous slogan? Go on, shout it out. It's got our name on it. And so every product I come up to, new screwdriver, it's got our name on it. (laughs) Tub of paint, it's got our name on it. And I just, I walk around that shop and I can't get that guy's salt of the earth voice out of my head. And I'm just, get me out of this shop. Anyway, so trip after trip, it's got our name on it. And you know, Wix, they're so confident in every product they sell. They so want to endorse everything that they, that they make that they're happy to say, it's got our name on it. Oops, excuse me, I'm getting excited about Wix of all things. And... And they, and they understand the importance of their name, of their brand. Wix get it. Hey, our name is important. It's so important that we're prepared to put our name on anything that we sell. We'll endorse it with our name. Do you know names are incredibly important things, aren't they? And so too is the process of choosing a name. My younger sister right now, she's in labor. I think she's just gone for cesarean. And I don't know whether they're having a boy or girl, but I know that Anna and Lewis, for the past months, nine months, have been deciding a baby's name. Boy is choosing a name, hard work. If you've had kids, you'll know exactly what I mean. And for all kinds of reasons, we find choosing names important, and we put a lot of energy into it. Every now and again, you'll see an article that comes through the news that says, the name that you give your child will have a huge impact on their success later in life. So if you call your child Dave, I hope nobody's called their child Dave here. I mean, it's a nice name. But you know, your, your child will rise to middle management. They'll do well, but middle management, don't expect them to CEO it or anything. But if you call your son Joseph, well, you're in for a treat. You, your holidays when you're later in life are going to be fantastic because Joseph is going to rise up through the ranks. And, and, but we believe some of these things, don't we, that the name we give our child can impact their success. There's all of these studies that take place, that tell us that names are important. We believe it by the way we, we construct our society. We believe that it's important to recognize who's in your family by the name that you give them. And so when you have a child, they also inherit your surname to say they're part of your family, which works well sometimes and not so well other times. We, we for fun, visited Ikea, Bristol, on Friday evening for a night out. Woohoo! <laughs> But we worked out that it's actually cheaper to take all our kids to Ikea and feed them there, including fuel, than it is to take them out for a meal somewhere in Swindon to Gourmet Burger Company. So lucky them from now on, um, apart from Emma then walking around the shop. Um, but we went there, and Sam being Sam decided that he was going to have a funny five minutes and went up to the um, help desk, claimed that he was lost, and said, could you ask Mr. and Mrs. Thornton to please come and collect their son, Vladimir Thornton, please, I'm lost, I don't know where my parents are. And there are moments when the surname is unfortunately unhelpful, as you can imagine. We did not go and collect Vladimir. We, we left him to his own devices. And to some cultures, choosing their surname is incredibly important. For some cultures in the world... The meat, sorry, not their surname, the name is incredibly important. You can make money out of it, apparently. I didn't know that. Colin is starting at £1,500 a pop. If anybody wants it for their kids, just pass it over and I'll let you use it. 
And, and so much so that certain cultures, particularly some African cultures, they celebrate naming of their baby. They have a baby naming ceremony to celebrate the name of their baby. And we don't do that so much in Western culture, but it's a great thing to say, look, we, we believe in this child. We want to give them a name that builds them up and honors them and speaks well over them. Certain cultures choose their name, and some cultures have incredibly complex ways of picking names, depending on the day of the week, the day of the month, the day of the year, the season, what's taking place in the family's life at that point, the the name of the grandfather and the grandson, and in some cultures, even the grandparents choose a name. Wouldn't that be terrible? And, And so names are just this big thing, really. You're defined by your name all of your life, unless you're like a guy who's a lovely guy who laid our floor for us, who changed his name to Onyx recently. And so his name now is Onyx. And so you can also change your name. He's a very good floor layer. I'll give you his email if you want it. Um, and so I thought, because we're doing Thanksgiving morning this morning for our kids, I'll just spend a few moments doing a little bit of research into what their names mean, just in case the parents couldn't be bothered. Um, and so Edmund, I don't know if you guys know this. I could be completely wrong, by the way. This is Google. Um, Edmund, the Ed or Ed part of the name means wealth and fortune, good start. And the Mund apparently means protection. So guys, he's going to sort your wealth for you. Don't worry, he will protect your wealth really well in his pocket, I am sure. And Jamie apparently means holder of the heel, because it comes from Jacob, it's his root name. And the story of Jacob and Isaac. So it's the holder of the heel or usurper, which is not such a... Nice name. And Jesse is, there is a God? Or also gift. I had to do research. I wasn't quite trusting you. Apparently it also means gift. And um, I don't know. Sorry. Gift of God. Gift of God. So great names. Names have meanings. And some, to some cultures, as I said, that's more important than others. Of course, as you're looking at names, I had to look at my own name. I kind of forgot what my name meant. I had some vague ideas. Colin is my name, and before I actually give you the meaning of my name, I just want to ask a question. What kind of parent, when they give birth, picks up the baby from its cot and says, you're so cute, we're going to call you Colin? (laughs) I think my parents were in the first meeting, so... I mean, I love them and all that, but seriously, Colin, baby Colin. Anyway, much better is the translation which means young dog. (laughs) As you can see, this is not going so well for me. My life has been marked out by being a young dog, and I have lived under that curse for the whole of my life so far. And so I, too, am changing my name by Deepol to the Gaelic translation of my name, which is Kayleen. So you can call me Kayleen from now on, which means victory of the people, which I think is far more apt, much more like me. And an interesting factoid for you, if you're so interested, is that my name is a short version of Nicholas. There you go. I owe you. All I can say to that is, get in line. And my middle name is Mark, which is a much better name, which means God of War or Warlike, which explains a lot. And so names are important, that's the point, anyway, let's move on. Companies, as we know, will fiercely defend the reputation 
of their name. They know how important their brand name is. And they'll defend it. They'll take people to court over it. They will do everything they can to give their company, their business, a good reputation through the use of their name. And nowhere is this more important than in the world of Wix, as we started off. You see, Wix are so confident in their name. They so love their name that they say, of all the products that they sell, it's got our name on it. And so they're so confident in the ability of their tools to get their job done, Wix say, it's got our name on it. So confident in their kitchens and the quality of their kitchens, they say, it's got our name on it. And for a moment, who wants a kitchen with Wix plastered over it, for goodness sake? I, and Wix believe that their paint is so good, better than every other leading brand of paint. Do you remember that advert? That it's got our name on it. They so love their name. Just to let you know, by the way, that Wix's water-based satin wood is fantastic for painting skirtings and doors. Apparently, Emma tells me. And so I can just endorse that one, that they're named... Satinwood is fantastic. But to Wix, their name is incredibly important. And do you know that's true in the Christian faith also? That is so true of the Christian faith that, not that Wix's name is important, by the way. Maybe. But but the, the name of Jesus is so important to the Christian faith. Not just the name, but the person of Jesus. And that's why we as Gateway, as followers of Jesus, as churches right across this town, across this nation and the nations of the world... Every time we gather, we love to celebrate Jesus, to make sure he's at the center of all we do. You might have noticed these tables out with some pita bread and grape juice on them. It's not there just for show. We didn't do it this morning because we ran out of time, but because we love to put Jesus at the center, and it's called communion. And when we gather together, we love to break that bread and share that juice together because Jesus gave that as a simple meal, a simple act to do for his church to remind us as we gather that Jesus is at the center of all we do and all that we are. And so for us as Christians, the name of Jesus is amazing. We love him. We love him for who he is and what he has done, which is why that song, that was so apt this morning. Jesus, how precious is your name? I've forgotten it already, but how precious is your name? Your name's amazing, and we just want to tell Jesus that we think he's amazing. We want to live our lives in such a way that declares that Jesus is amazing. In fact, his name is so amazing, and he is so amazing, and so good, and so righteous, and so true, and our heavenly Father God is so good that he says, I want to take the name of my son, Jesus, and place it upon you, and endorse you as my own. God is so good that he's proud to put his name upon anyone who would become a follower of Jesus Christ. And this is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel, that anybody who would receive Jesus as Lord and Savior by faith, to them, God says, I put my name on you. I'm proud of you. I think you're all right. I love you. I'm for you. I'm towards you. Isn't that so incredible that God... God who is holy and perfect and set apart and not like you and I would say, I love you so much that I give you my son that I might put his name upon you. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? God wants to associate himself with us. And so just very quickly, I want to ask two questions. Why is that good news? Why on earth is it good news that we might have God's name upon ourselves, that we might inherit that family name? Why is that good news? And then secondly, in a moment, I want to ask, and why do we need Jesus' name upon us? So why is it good news? Firstly, 
just briefly the story of the Bible. The Bible's explanation of life, the universe, and everything in it is simply this, that God made everything and it was good. You can read this in the beginning account of the Bible in the book of Genesis. It tells us that God is a creating God who speaks and life comes. Who speaks and out of nothing creation comes. God is a speaking God. He's a creating God. And he spoke and he made everything in this universe. Everything you see, the stars, the planets, the islands, the trees, the fish. God made it all. And then as the crowning pinnacle of his creation, he made you and I. Human beings made in his image and likeness, we're told. I don't know if you know that, but the Bible tells us that as humans, we are made in the image and likeness of God. There's something about humanity, something about you and I that reflects God. He made us to bear his image. And he made us for relationship, to be in perfect harmony with him. It's how God set up creation and it's how we as human beings work best when we're in relationship with him. But yet even though God is perfect and gave us everything that we needed, we read early on in the Bible that we betrayed God. We rebelled against him by sinning. You can read about that in the book of Genesis as Adam sinned against God. Romans 3.23 says it wasn't just an issue with Adam. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of Adam's sin, there's a curse that is upon all of humanity. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter who the the bestest person you've ever heard of or met in your life. The Bible is very adamant that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect requirement of a holy life. Live before him in relationship with him. In fact, the Bible tells us that, in effect, we've committed an act of war against God. And because of that, because we're in broken relationship with him, God can no longer directly relate to us in the way that he longs to, in the way that he created us to, in perfect relationship. Not just just God, a genie who gives us what we want, but a God who loves us, a God who is love and pours love out upon us, a God who is just beyond anything we can imagine. So good, so perfect, that he gives the best of himself to us. But because of sin, that relationship has been broken. It's because God's nature is purely good, purely right and lovely and just and true, that he could not directly relate to us as human beings whose hearts are set directly against him. Don't confuse that with God lacking love or compassion. We must understand it. There's two opposing natures at work. God is holy and perfect. And we as humans made in his image and likeness who, who have a fallen sinful nature are now rebellious and sinful. So we're therefore unable to relate to God in the way that we were made to. God cannot stand sin in his presence. He's a holy God. And we as sinners cannot stand in the presence of God without dying. There's a problem. There's a problem of sin in this world. The problems of this world, the Bible makes it so clear, are not an issue of education. If everybody was just educated a bit more, the problems would go away. Or this ongoing money saga that's taking place in the economies of the world. Or whether the UK leaves Europe or not, that's not the issue of the world. The issue of the world isn't that there's terrorism. 
And if that stopped, then we'd all sing love songs together and be happy. Kumbaya. That's not the issue of the world. The issue of the world is that through every heart, through every human heart, at the center of it is a line of sin that passes through every human heart. That's the condition of this world. That's the human condition. That's the plight of humanity. We are broken. But you know, it's actually great news that God had to break off. Say, I can't relate to you like that anymore. Because we need a God who is lovely and perfect and holy. We need a God like that. We need a God who is not like us. We need a God who is separate and holy, who is able to come and rescue and save us from our sin. And that is precisely the rest of the story of the Bible. You may read it and think, gosh, this is hard work. Genesis is okay, and then you get to Exodus, and that's all right, but get into Leviticus. What on earth is going on here? I tell you, the Bible is this incredible story of a God who so loves you and I, even in our rebellious state. Even in our God-hating, spit in God's face, I'll live as God of my own life, thank you very much. God, two fingers up to you. You do what you want, I'm doing what I want. I'm master of my fate, captain of my destiny. God says, I love you. I want to put my name on you. You see, between us and God, there's two great obstacles. One is that we are spiritually lifeless and dead. You may never have thought of these things before. But the Bible makes that clear that because of sin, we are spiritually dead before God. The second is that we are sinfully corrupt and guilty. We cannot inherit life in God, eternal life as children of God, if we are dead and if we are guilty. That relationship that God intended for us, we cannot get hold of it because we are dead and guilty. Every other religion would say, therefore, the way you live your life is the most important thing you can do to inherit eternal life or to become a friend of God. In fact, people who aren't religious often have this as the backup plan for life. Okay, I'm not really interested in God. I'm not particularly a bad person. I'm just hoping that one day when I die, if there is a God, if there's such a thing as a God, I'm just hoping that my good outweighs my bad and God will kind of go, okay, seeing as you're better than you are, bad, I'll let you in. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just putting my hope in that. I'm putting my hope in the chance that my good outweighs my bad. Somebody like Hitler, well, he's not going to make it into heaven because his bad clearly outweighed his good. Somebody like Mother Teresa, well, of course, she's clearly made it into heaven because her good obviously outweighed her bad. Many of us live our lives in that kind of way. I've got to work hard to please God and earn brownie points. However, the Bible shows us that doing good does not make us good. I say again, doing good does not make us good. Many people think that is what the Christian life is about, learning to do good. I want to tell you that is not the heart of Christianity. God did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Doing good to try and please God, the Bible calls that religion. It calls it religion, trying to keep the law to please God. And do you know what the Bible says of that way of life? It is dead. You can't please God by trying to do good. But God so loved us. We're told that in, in John's gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Jesus, confesses him with their mouth, believes in him, 
that he died on a cross, taking our sin, our guilt, our shame, our fear upon himself, paying the price of it as though it were his own, dying the death that we should have died. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will inherit eternal life. And God sent, God so loved us that he gave us his son to die for us, to remove our guilt and shame of all those who believe in him. Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, that's Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And then God sent his spirit to us to, be, to cause us to be born again, to make us pass from death into life. And so God has overcome those obstacles that stand between us and him of we are spiritually dead and lifeless and we are sinfully and morally corrupt before a living and holy God. We are guilty. God has overcome those, not by saying you have to do really good to please me, but he did it off of his own initiative. The Bible makes that so clear to us. And this is the hope of the Christian life. This is a great offer of salvation for sinners like you and me. For those who are far from God, it's full, it's free, and it corresponds to our exact need as those who are far from Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, Luke wrote this in chapter 4, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And John, in chapter 1, verse 12, said, Yet to Yet to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So just very quickly, let me answer this question. Why do I need God to say, I'm going to put my name on you? Why do I need to be in Jesus, in Christ? Why do I need the name of Jesus upon my life? In the Apostle John's letter, 1 John Chapter 5, he said this, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. We need Jesus, we need his name, we need to be in him because eternal life is in Christ. It's a gift from him, it belongs to him. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And so if this morning you're a follower of Jesus and over your life you know that God says, I love you. I've put my son's name upon you. I'm proud to call you part of my family. The Bible tells you you have eternal life. But if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, then the Bible says that is not true of you this morning. Though I and the Bible and everyone here and God wills that you might know him and have his name upon you. John goes on to say, I write these things so that you who believe in the name of the son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. You see, the Christian hope isn't just, I hope that one day Jesus might get me into heaven. It's, I know that one day I am saved now because of Christ Jesus. I know that one day when I stand before a holy God, from whom once I was separated because of sin, I know that one day I'll stand before him. And when I stand before him, because Jesus is written on my life, because I am in him and he is in me, that he'd say, I'm proud of you. You're good. You're worthy to be called my child. It's amazing, isn't it? This is the gospel of hope which we have. I just want to finish with this. 
Please don't make the mistake of thinking that you have to be good enough to please God, that you have to do a certain amount of good things to be accepted or endorsed by Christ Jesus. There is a low-grade fever of guilt that exists in the church today where we live with this sense of, ah, if only I did a bit better, God would be more pleased with me. It's not true. If you're in Christ, God loves you. He is for you. He is towards you. He looks at you. Even when you and I muck up, even when we fall over and fail, and he says, I've got my name on you. You're mine. You belong to me. That doesn't mean we say, well, therefore, it doesn't matter what I do. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We say, because this God who is holy and awesome and perfect would, would choose to place his name on me, somebody who hated him and is, was far from him and, and spat in his face, because a God like that would choose to love me in all my filthiness and sin and rebellion from my heart. I now want to know him. I want to magnify him. I want to give all of my life to becoming a follower of him and boasting in Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name. This is good news for us. Our confidence in eternal life is not that you look good, have the right bank account, life sorted, you've done a good job, made a good go of your life. It's that Christ is perfect and he is good and true and righteous. And that by believing in him and being in him, he becomes those things for you and for I. Amazingly, not only as Christians does Jesus endorse us, but we have the privilege of ourselves endorsing the brand. Jesus looks at you today, and I just want to let you know this, that he says, and he says proudly to anyone who would look around, to anyone who would see you as a follower of Christ Jesus, and he says, I've put my name on you. Look at him, look at her. He's got my name on, on, on him. She's got my name on her. I love them, I'm for them. It's what, it's what the father did of Jesus at his baptism as Jesus came up out of the water at his baptism, his heavenly father spoke over him and said, look everyone, this is my son in whom I love and I am well pleased. He's got my name on him and Jesus wants to say that of you this morning. If you don't know him, he wants to say, I love you, I'm towards you, I'm not against you. I am for you, even, even in your hatred of me, I am running after you this morning. It's how good he is. God allows our good and our bad points in life, our failures and successes, to reflect upon him. You see it all the way through the Bible, that the people of God have moments of triumph and moments of disaster. Do you know God allows them to reflect their life and to endorse God, even in their failures? That's true of you and I. In the world, it works like this. Imagine you get some wood from Wix and it warps, and you take it back and you say, this, this isn't so good, Wix. Look, it's all warped. Oh, your paint, I put it on and it flaked off straight away. It's not so good. Do you know if enough people complain to Wix, they'd say, you're right, it's not so good. We're going to take our name from that. That's what they do. They've got a reputation to uphold. Or think of sports sponsors. Right now after the Olympic Games, Ryan Lochte, Olympic medalist, amazing swimmer. Every sports company wants to get their brand on Ryan Lochte. Nike, he's such a good swimmer, we want to put our name on him. One mistake, one moment of stupidity. Brands run, actually, he's not so good. We're going to have nothing to do with him. That's how the world works. Maybe for you, making it a bit more real, 
you're in broken relationship with your parents and they said to you at some point in life, we want nothing to do with you. In fact, don't even think, we don't even think of you as our child. You're nothing to do with us. Or maybe your husband and your wife had a relationship breakdown and you said, look, we can't share each other's name anymore. We had nothing to do with each other. We're going to remove our name. We live in a painful world. But the good news is this, that though we don't always live up as Christians to the brand of God, not that he's a brand, but you get what I mean. Although we fail at times, we display Jesus in bad ways at times to the world. He says, you're still one of mine. I'm still proud to have my name on you. For the Christian, even when we fail, God willingly keeps his name upon us. It's amazing. And that's why we love grace. That's why we're going to spend this autumn term looking at grace. We get what we don't deserve, people. We get the love and grace and mercy of God in our lives, free of charge. We can't earn it. It's undeserved. Let me finish with this verse. In 1 John 3, the Apostle John wrote this in his later life. He said, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We've got our name on him. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to remind you with that as we go, you've got his name upon you. Therefore, boast in him all the more in these days. He's so good. He's so good. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, the invitation is, this is the good news. This is the offer of salvation. That in your distance from God, in your disinterest from God, that he would say, I want to put my name upon you and take you on a whirlwind adventure. Not to be good, but to live life with him at the center, transforming everything. That's the privilege we have as Christians. And we invite you, we share this good news with you and say, would you come and follow Jesus with us.